Welcome to Streamed and Screened, a podcast distributed by Lee Enterprises about the new movies and TV shows that are just over the horizon and worth your time. The show is hosted by Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter from multiple decades, who is now the editor of the Sioux City Journal. Hello, Bruce. I'm multiple decades here checking in. And we have Jared McNett, who is a reporter at the Sioux City Journal. Hello, Jared. Hello. And me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee. Hello. Uh, This week, we've got a handful of movies landing on streaming that in better times would have probably snagged uh, a much bigger box office. Uh, But instead, they kind of turfed out a little bit. And not that they were going to be nominated for any awards, but could have found an audience earlier and and might might still find an audience. We'll we'll get into those. We got some... uh, belated Oscar bait movies that are that are coming out and we got a uh, Oscar non-contender that is that is also coming out um, you'll be able to find the links to everything that we talk about in the show notes also you can hit that subscribe button smash it smash it smash it once you've done that what you could consider doing because I don't want to call to action for anybody but what you can consider doing is uh, go to a Verizon store or like an Apple store and hit subscribe on all the phones that they have in the store also. Just really rack up those subscriptions. Did you do that? No, I would never do that. And I would never tell anyone to specifically do that. But if they did do that, I mean, you know. Good, good idea. I did see something over the weekend. Well, I I wasn't going to go see it. I thought, nah. And then I got tired of the Olympics. I thought, this is enough. I've seen enough of this crap for weeks now. It's time for me to just veg out. So I went to see Uncharted and I was expect, you know how I was. I expected nothing out of this film, nothing. Anything based on a game can't be good. And I was pleasantly surprised largely because Tom Holland is so good. Tom Holland is gonna be your next big action hero if he wants it. If he doesn't want that career, he could be a real threat to somebody like Timothy Chalamet. I think Timothy Chalamet kind of thinks he has that angsty drama kind of, I can do all those characters sewed up and he'd be the one to get those parts. But I think Tom Holland is going to be more versatile than, than um, Tom Cruise ever was. And this shows a lot of, a lot of depth for a film that really has none. It's quite good from his perspective. Now, the rest of it is like, I think I've seen this 35 times, but Tom Holland is fun to watch. And he does stunts like you can't believe. And you know he's doing the stunt because you see his face connected to all the crap that's hanging. But um, it's typical. It's a typical thing where they're looking for treasure. They have a lot of kind of villains. Antonio Banderas, could you please get off this track? Then some, you know, kind of Bond-like women that are hanging around that could be good or could be bad. You decide. They're looking for Magellan's ship and the gold. And you know, at some point we're gonna see Magellan's ship and the gold. But there's kind of that Marvel universe ending. So you gotta hang through the credits because at the end, there's another little thing that dips into an unanswered question for you from earlier in the film. So don't be so quick just because they saw the gold at some point that it's time to bail. There's a little more to it. I'm not saying this is a four-star film by any chance, but it's better than you think. And if you get dragged along to go to it, you're still going to have fun. So to kind of keep it on Bruce for a second, the big movie in the theater 
coming out this weekend is Cyrano. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it. Oh, yeah. I have it at home. They slogged that sucker all during the holiday season that this was going to be a big Oscar nominee. And it had, you know, Peter Dinklage is a very good actor who was robbed of getting a, a nomination a couple, what, a decade ago um, before he did Game of Thrones. Talking about the station agent, right? Right. He should have been nominated for that. But they really thought this would be the big thing for him. And well, it's it's interesting how they do it. They also do it as a musical. And the songs are as depressing as you can get. And the people are marginal singers. So the idea that a musical version of Cyrano with him as Cyrano has a lot to be desired. You know, there's a lot there that's missing. He's good. He's very good. And what they play into instead of a big nose is, is his, his size. And he's very good at kind of retorting a lot of people. So he's good, but I think the rest of it really, it's still on the page. It kind of makes uh, total sense of the songs and that would be depressing because uh, if I remember correctly, the guy that uh, worked on some of the music and the songs for that is one of the guys from uh, a band I really like. And I don't know if, uh, how Chris feels about him, but the band, the, uh, the national who uh, very known for uh, sad bastard uh, type music. So it's no surprise that if one of them was working on uh, a movie like this, that the songs would be kind of downbeat. Yeah. And they, you know, there are character actors in there that are kind of fun to watch and, he takes on um, a performance that's going on and he kind of does an oral critique. And then there's this whole back and forth about critics. It's fascinating. It's kind of cute, but I don't, you know, this thing needed a release before award season started so that people could actually get behind it coming out. Now I don't see that there's any attempt at people wanting to see it. I've been thinking about that with a couple of uh, movies lately about just like the wrong timing for some of these release dates. And I know that some of it is, is COVID and all of that, but like this should have been out like at the absolute latest around Valentine's day weekend. And I'm surprised that's not when it came out, if not the holidays, having it come out now really feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah. And we've seen better Cyrano's in the past. So I don't know that this is going to be one that'll even graze the radar. I could be wrong. It'd be nice if I were wrong, but I have a feeling I'm right on this one. Jared? I was going to ask you, Chris, how do you feel about the uh, version of uh, Cyrano that uh, Steve Martin was in, uh, Roxanne? That seems like one that would be right up your alley. It's been a long time since I've seen it, like at least a few years. And it's, it's fine. With Cyrano, I'm just, I'm not as into the big blustery period musicals like and so this is just not really quite my my cup of tea from the jump but i'll give it a shot at some point i'm sure they were probably betting that they were going to get oscar nominations for a lot of things and they thought that peter would probably get a best actor nomination and then none of it happened i think they got one or two maybe two in like costume sets something like that and uh here it is, you know? It seems like one that definitely is getting dinged for not getting ahead of, of the, the discourse around it. And it's not even that the discourse is bad necessarily. It's just they delayed it for so long when it should have come out in, in the middle of, of the Oscar you know, season hunt 
and and been in that conversation and they just kind of held back on it for reasons i guess that are understandable but it just the alchemy wasn't there like there wasn't uh the turning turning the lead to gold moment and, and they they missed their window but everyone's kind of trying to figure out what the windows are right now we're going to talk about two other movies later on that i think could have benefited from some window <laughs> situations as well and uh omicron various other covid reasons probably getting in the way of them being better known jared what do you want to talk about let's talk about let's talk about free guy you seem hesitant i liked it <laughs> i i really just want to blame i don't know maybe wreck it ralph on we now have to have all these movies where like there's crossovers between different franchises and and stuff like that and like it was fun when it was wreck it ralph but then like you know, Ready Player One had a version of this, and now Free Guy has a version of this. The Lego movies have crossovers with a bunch of different universes. And I don't know, at a certain point, I don't want to just, like, pay to watch something where I can be like, oh, yeah, I, I know what that is. I recognize that for, like, an hour and a half or two hours. That, I don't know, that doesn't seem like a movie as much as just recollections of other things. It's like Space Jam, where you saw all those characters yeah. in the background and you thought... What in the hell are they doing here? They shouldn't be exactly. here. Bruce, you've seen Free Guy. And I liked it. Yeah, you liked it. Would you say that the cross-corporate synergy elements were were better than, than Jared is, is expecting as far as how they were incorporated into the plot? I don't think you need them. And whatever happened to creating your own characters, characters that you could carry on in another situation, why do we always have to reference old ones? Well, that's hard. <laughs> that's that's difficult. We own these. Let's use these, right? Exactly. Or in Disney's case, we're just going to go and you know raid the the, the Grimm brothers' book to to build our uh, our monarchy. I guess they got those castles. There are producers in Hollywood who wait for the day when a lot of these become public domain because then they pounce on them and then you see three or four of the same things based on the same stuff because it's free. That's why they do it. But with this, you know, I, I thought it was a very cute film for kids. I think they would enjoy it. Ryan Reynolds is always good in those kinds of roles. You know, again, it's one of those ones when you're sitting there and you don't want to go to something, but it's a good second choice. So I'm fine with it. It was, it was a fine film for me. And that's actually going to be out on HBO Max and Disney Plus on February 23rd. And it went from the theaters. I remember seeing, I've mentioned this in previous episodes when we were just to be nominated, but that was a, a trailer that I saw in theaters pre-pandemic. Like they, they were planning on putting that out, I think, early 2020. And then obviously just got absolutely, you know, smashed by everything that, you know, everyone else got smashed by. I think it did okay in the theaters. And then it was the top of multiple rental charts online for months and months last year. As we're talking about uh, stuff at the top of the charts, we're doing long the charts. Chris, you got to take a victory lap, man, because uh, Black Hat was in the in the top 10 uh, on Netflix uh, over the weekend, which you called last week. The uh, Michael Mann techno thriller from a few years ago cracked the Netflix top 10 after getting on there in the first week. A techno thriller is, is the exact way to describe it. And as you mentioned, Jared, 
I tried to rewatch it. I mean, I, I did rewatch it, but it makes zero sense. Like there's no, <laughs> it's baffling. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, and also uh, Chris Hemsworth's dialect is going all over the place. <laughs> The Michael Mann stands of the world, which seem to be like everyone on like hashtag film Twitter. Yeah. But like that's every single one of his movies is is like as good as heat, you know, to, to some people or or they're all misunderstood masterpieces. And this is one that is just so solidly <laughs> like bottom tier, <laughs> which again is not necessarily knocking it. I mean, it looks great, but uh, yeah, I'd much rather just put on Thief again. <laughs> so. There's one other bottom tier thing I wanted to, to mention too because I saw it yesterday, and that's uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's on uh, Netflix. Uh, it's under 90 minutes, which uh, Bruce would would appreciate. Yay! There's not much else you would appreciate about it though. And yep. There wasn't even a lot I appreciated. Like the characters are bad. The characters, like literally, one of the characters in the subtitles is just referred to by another character's name and then girlfriend it doesn't even give her a name in the subtitles so like it doesn't care about the characters at all but the kill scenes in the movie were like absolutely bonkers and that was about the only saving grace of that movie was they really emphasized the massacre part of uh texas chainsaw massacre in this one so it's like the perfect movie to put on with a friend and just make fun of for 80 minutes and then it's over the thing that like I was really surprised and and did not expect in that movie, having done a you know pretty cursory glance at it, was that it's probably the biggest movie uh, that Elsie Fisher has done since eighth grade, <laughs> the Bo Burnham movie from a couple yeah. of years ago. It's a little bit of a bummer that she's in this. I gotta say, definitely the biggest thing that she's done since eighth grade. And feels strange. I mean, the whole thing. I think your description of it, Jared, is pretty pretty spot on. It's too bad, though, that you don't have a character name to deal with, because how do you put that on a resume? In particular, I feel even worse, not for that, that character I was mentioning, but there's a, a busload of uh, people at one point who things don't go well for them, and none of them were even credited in the credits of the movie. And it's like 20 people, and none of them even get like, Bus Rider 1, Bus Rider 2, etc. They they get nothing. They just show up, get massacred, and then that's that's it for them. <laughs> the lunch line is over to the left. Just take <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> yeah. To take a maybe a hard left turn, I don't know if you guys want to talk about the... I know that this movie made, I think, all of our lists of, of like our top films of, of last year, it, or were in, in the conversation. And that's uh, Wes Anderson's the French Dispatch, which is going to be on HBO Max on February 25th. It's really wild that Wes Anderson and everybody in this film was shut out from any Oscars nominations. I mean, not even set design or costuming. I mean, all of it just slid right past. The only other parallel I can think of is Buster Scruggs, which got you know multiple nominations, one for adapted screenplay. And... I think Wes Anderson is on that same Coen Brothers level of name recognition, but just got skipped over this time for reasons that are kind of inexplicable and maybe also fall into that category of not putting the movie out broadly early on. Well, and it's very similar to other things he's done. So maybe people figured it wasn't that special. 
And I thought it was a, a delightful film, a really cool kind of way to bring all these really great actors together in one place to tell this wildly fanciful story that really you may not have wanted. But when you see it, you think, I, I got to see that again. Too often we think that we've got to have everything spelled out for us. And we see that in these films where it's a cartoon character. Oh, yeah, I recognize that. Or a video game. Yeah, I know that. But must it always be that low level? Can't we have something where maybe I don't know it and I need to look it up? I need to figure this out. And that's what these films do is they, they kind of challenge you. Look at how this is France. Come on. Do I know French words? Should I look up the French words? Am I going to get something from this? And I like the idea that you have those challenges because it makes you want to be better. And it's, it's a cute film. Now, there are things in there where you're going to go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was in there because there's nudity like you can't believe. And um, I think maybe people think of him as the guy who gets Bill Murray to work for him. And we don't see Bill Murray that often. And so you go, oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those cute little Bill Murray things. But there's so, so much more there to uncover. And people should see it. It's I've been diving into the extra things that there are. There are little comic books out there that are related to this. Stuff that you can find out about other characters and the, the writers that used to work for this dispatch. It's, it's fascinating if you're interested in that. But I don't know that there's enough people who are interested in that. The French Dispatch is it's set in France, and it's basically set up like an issue of The New Yorker, where you have these kind of shouts and murmurs around town, smaller bits, and then there are three large feature chunks, which each function as their own short film. Uh, and so the frame story aspect of it that ties everything together is that it is the last issue of The French Dispatch. So the, the only thing that connects those stories is just that it's from this sort of high-minded I don't know I mean like some people like you hear the New Yorker as a magazine and you just kind of freeze up a little bit and it's like I don't know man like <laughs> you know you can you can get into this like you know yeah some of the cartoons don't make any sense whatsoever but you know it's not the most pretentious thing it's not as highbrow as people like to think yeah exactly I think that visually it is probably his most inventive film because he's he's cut loose from the idea of having this feature length narrative to where it's like he can he can explore these kind of insane visual sight gags, uh, which I mean, really, that's what they are. I mean, it's some of this stuff is practically, you know, Three Stooges level physical comedy that, that are in there. It's an astonishing movie. The best thing I think he's done since uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. The only thing I would do if I were going to give some advice is I would say use a bigger font because some of the subtitles and stuff are hard to read, especially on I was watching on a big screen and I thought they could have boosted that font a little bit more so you could read it. So just know when you're watching it on HBO Max or whatever, look at the type and maybe freeze it. I don't know. Bruce, to your point uh, earlier, like you were saying about, you know, people need a lot of people need stuff spelled out now, or at least movie makers think people need everything spelled out. That really rung true, too, for the newer Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because like multiple times in the movie, they had to specifically say that the like teens that are coming in were there to gentrify the town. They had to like spell that out again and again versus the original movie from the 70s 
Like they never have to say that. It's just this like van full of hippies that end up in like backwater Texas and then bad things happen because the backwater people from Texas all recently got laid off from the slaughterhouse that they work at. And there's a total clash of these like economic like groups of people. And like they never actually had to verbalize that. And then in this one, they have to say over and over, you're here to gentrify our town. Like it comes up again and again. How many times do you see in films where they practically tell you what your character description is when you were auditioning for the role. I'm a very powerful man. Do you realize that? Do you understand the very powerful and mean things I can do in your community? This is how they, they actually do this junk. And you think, are we that dumb? Or have I spent too much time with the popcorn and I'm not paying attention? Well, record yourself. See the French Dispatch. French Dispatch on HBO Max, February 25th. Did either of you guys see either the Protégé or the 355? The 355 is, it wants to be, <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> it wants to be one of those, let's put the gals together and see if we can do one of those kind of films. It's nothing. Oh, Just ignore this, it. This is the most dismissive I have ever heard you of a film. It is nothing. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> No, but it's one of those ones that it came when it came out in theaters. It was at a time when we had all those kind of good leftover Oscar films. And you go, why did they put this thing out now? We're going to be hungry for something, maybe March. And we'll be looking for something that at least has a name in it. But yeah, it's not there at all. And I think that's why they just blew it off. For anyone who actually is interested in this, um, this is uh, the 355 directed by Simon Kinberg. Uh, it will be on Peacock Plus February 21st if you want to watch it after such a glowing. <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing. It seems like it should be something. It's got Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o. It's got Penelope Cruz. It's got these huge names. Right. Oscar nominees this year. And it's like, yeah. I, what did I tell you before? Is that they shouldn't have these films out when they're in the mix for that kind of an award because people will see it and say, hmm, maybe they're not that good. I don't think I'll vote for her. You have to look for that one too. We talk about it being nothing and it does look like it's not very good at all. But like it being on Peacock Plus, like there's going to be people that watch that and like enjoy it now. Like that's the exact kind of movie my dad will end up watching and at least being okay having on. If your dad can figure out how to get Peacock on his TV. Very true. Right? I heard that all during the, the Olympics. The people couldn't figure out how I was supposed to watch these shows on Peacock. Well, February 21st, if you, uh, Bruce, if you, you know, are feeling a little, uh, you know, mas masochistic, you can. <laughs> you know, it shows that it shows that very good people can make so-so or bad films. And there's no, there's no genius here at all. Simon Kinberg, the, the movies that, that he's associated with I don't think I'd really, you know, it's, it's a real mixed bag. He's got a bunch of the X-Men movies uh, from the past few years. Mr. and Mrs. Smith from 2005 that he wrote. Uh, the Fantastic Four movie from 2015. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> um, he's got a remake of Logan's Run in the Hopper coming up next-ish, I guess. Assuming there aren't development issues, which who knows. I mean, on paper, this seems like it should be at least enjoyable from a bad movie view, but yeah. Imagining the poster now, uh, quote, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. God. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I apologize. No, no, to no, no apologies. I mean, it is. That like, was good. That was good. I mean, from just existentially, I'm not even saying you're wrong. It, that is just the hottest take that you've. Uh, yeah, that, that is the <laughs> an intense slice. Before streaming TV, we made choices. Now there's so much that we just succumb because it's like, well, it's on. Let's see what it is. And then you go, mm, I shouldn't have watched that, but I, I guess I'm okay. I didn't want to move or I couldn't find the, the clicker. At the risk of opening the floor for even more uh, vitriol here. Um. <laughs> They're all very nice people. I like them all individually and I'm sure oh, they sure. do a great job. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like, I mean, it's worth throwing out there. I mean, I don't, I'm more than happy to kind of, you know, throw movies that I don't like under the bus, but I, and I feel like we all kind of understand that any movie that gets made is a miracle in its own way, bad or good. So it's not even, you know, necessarily saying these people did, well, I don't want to say it's not that they did bad work because <laughs> anyway, to not uh, possibly open us up for too more, too much more bile possibly is uh, the protege, which is on Amazon prime, February 25th, directed by Martin Campbell, who did Casino Royale, GoldenEye, uh, a couple of Zorro movies, uh, the Jackie Chan Home Alone movie, The Foreigner, and also Green Lantern. Uh, he directed that. And this is a, yeah, the protege. It's a, you know, passing of a torch assassin type movie starring Michael Keaton, Maggie Q, and Samuel L. Jackson, who, of course, is repping his, uh, his Kangal hat, as always. I did not know that the guy that did uh, Casino Royale and uh, The Foreigner uh, did this one because I actually watched uh, The Foreigner for the first time not too long ago and really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good change up for Jackie Chan. I mean, he's still the good guy in that movie, but he is like a very like tortured good guy and it kind of worked. Um, and obviously I, I love Casino Royale. So I that's like giving me way more of an incentive to check this one out than I probably would have otherwise. I had talked to Samuel L. Jackson earlier this month for The Last Days of Potomac Gray, which is coming on um, Apple TV Plus, and it's about Alzheimer's. And he says that he has a, a photographic, Samuel L. has a photographic memory. So he can do all these 9 million films in a year and not have to worry about remembering lines. So that's how he gets all this, all this work. And he says the work has been very good to him because it's allowed him to afford things like massages. And massages are, <laughs> massages are a good thing when you're working so hard that you, you want to relax and it costs money. I don't know. I feel like in the, in the world we live in, massage is a... It's a different thing. It's a different kind of... No, this is... No. Now, don't go there. I'm, I'm not going there. The world has gone there and I'm just living in the world. That's all it is. But Potomac Gray, I think, is going to be one of those things that will give him a lot of attention. He um, is getting an honorary Oscar this year, which I think is way too soon, and I've said that before. But I think he can get an Emmy for this. I think he's really right on in this role as a man suffering from Alzheimer's. So it's, it's good. It's good. And he, here's one more, one more thing for Samuel L. You ready for this? Is that he can be very intense while doing a scene, two seconds out of it after they say cut. He's joking around and he's just like everybody else. So he doesn't care. He said, I'm not a method actor. Don't look for that. That is the, the protege on February 25th, uh, Amazon Prime. Bruce, I know that you said you saw this one on a plane 
But uh, Three Identical Strangers is a movie that came out a few years ago. A long time ago, yeah. 2018, directed by Tim Wardle. Do you want to tell us about uh, Three Identical Strangers, which is going to be on Hulu? They turned out to be brothers and had no clue. And I think it was, this is so long ago, that tells you how much I can remember about it. But um, weren't some just living really close to each other? And it turned out that, you know, one thing led to another and they found this whole kind of really, it's bizarre, the story, how they got separated, what their lives became. And I don't think that they're all living still. I can't remember which, um, I, I think you're right. I can't remember which ones, but the um, there is this weird conspiracy type thing that is revealed at some point in the film, but there are so many twists and turns and it's the kind of movie that could very easily get sucked under by how convoluted the actual story is, but it doesn't lose that thread. And also it doesn't get overwhelmed by, I mean, these guys are all really interesting. Like they're all characters in their, in their own way. And it doesn't get superseded by any of that either. It's a fantastic documentary. And I think we're, we're lucky that it didn't get eaten up by, you know, Netflix or, you know, wherever that would have turned it into a 10 part miniseries where it just got bloated way out. Like a true crime thing. They would have just turned it into another true crime thing, even though it's not true crime. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's an older film, but it is coming on, on to uh, Hulu February 27th. It's worth the time because you think you're getting this little kind of, oh, brothers who are separated and then come back together, but it goes way beyond that. It does. It goes way beyond that in, in ways that like are, it's not that it's impossible to spoil, but I mean, I would just say go in as unaware of of the larger issues um as you can because i don't i don't even know how to i guess <laughs> describe where, where the film lands at the end it does say a little about the pitfalls of celebrity yes it does and i think that's that's a, a great cautionary tale these days because there are so many people who are just eager for some kind of attention i want to be famous how many times have you heard that i want to be famous maybe you don't i absolutely don't i Absolutely do not. Uh, I have no interest in that. <laughs> so Jared and I hitched our wagon to you and you don't want to be famous. What is this? <laughs> Come on now. We hitched our wagon to you, Bruce. <laughs> well, then, may I tell you, we're headed down the hill of no return. <laughs> it's very interesting, though, how people and I know that California is filled with those people in particularly in Los Angeles who see that if I suddenly became a movie star or if I became a writer or whatever, that all of my world's problems would disappear. And instead it creates new ones and adds to it. And sometimes be very grateful for what you have because what you have could be really good. Crochet it on a doily right there. There you are. If I only knew how to do needlepoint, we'd be there, but. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the, you know, we still got another few years of pandemic, so <laughs> you got time. Three Identical Strangers is going to be on Hulu. Another thing that's going to be on Hulu is a, an original movie uh, called No Exit, which is directed by a guy named Damien Power. And there aren't really any big names in it, but it seems like it is going to be uh, someone kind of wandering into a situation, unprepared for it, and then ends up 
realizing that they are in a much larger problem, life or death uh, type thing. And this follows uh, Damien Power. His one of his earlier films uh, is called Killing Ground, which I actually saw at the Wisconsin Film Festival a few years ago, and that is a gnarly little, uh, very taut grindhouse type exploitation film, more or less, about a date at a campground <laughs> goes very wrong and, and just continues to find new ways to go wrong. So I'm, I'm assuming that no exit is going to be very similar to that in a low budget, bing, bang, boom, in and out, entertaining, uh, fun. <laughs> it involves kidnapping a blizzard and a rest stop. I mean, nothing could go wrong there. <laughs> Sold on that. I don't even need to hear anymore. <laughs> yep. So of the of the movies that we have talked about that are coming out, movies or shows, is there one of the ones that we've talked about that like just stands head and shoulders above the others as far as something that you are interested in seeing or excited to to finally watch? Mm-hmm. If there's one that you could stamp and say, this is Bruce's one pick of the week. Well, the picks of the week aren't aren't here yet. So I can't tell you that this is the week to to be picking that. I'm saying of the things to pick. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're looking at one tree that's got a, a limited number of, uh, of apples on it, I'm sure. But <laughs> if you were to pick one. <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, I would go back to French Dispatch and look at that again. I would I, I would have another reason to see it because there were things I think I missed. Now, I know that my Uncharted people are probably not going to like that. So if you are an Uncharted fan, you're not going to be going, oh, my God, I've got to see French Dispatch because that'll be just like that. And it's not. Jared? Of the ones specifically uh, we talked about, probably Cyrano, because um, I I like Peter Dinklage. The newer West Side Story has me more... uh, like willing to go and see uh, certain uh, musical stuff uh, than I was uh, in the past. And I I like the people that worked on the music too. So that's probably the one for me. One other one that I would throw out that we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think, was uh, I got around to seeing Death on the Nile over the weekend too. And that's just a perfect, okay movie. And if Kenneth Branagh wants to just keep making different adaptations of Hercule Poirot, Agatha Christie stories, I'm fine because I there's always needs to be a lane for movies that are just good and you can go and watch them and you probably won't remember them in a week. But like you need those kind of movies. They're not bad either. They're just a good experience for like two hours and then you're done. So you're saying it's not nothing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's something. We need more something movies like every movie now is either a nothing or it has to be everything. And I'm happy that Kenneth Branagh is just like, yeah, I'm just going to keep making these like big ensemble movies that uh, are just okay. I'm going to give my stamp to No Exit, and we'll we'll see how that shapes up. I'm going in pretty blind, but based on the the minimal amount that I know, I feel like that's going to going to be worth the uh, worth the energy. You will never stop at a rest stop again. I mean, unless there's you know boiled peanuts. <laughs> But that's maybe that that's just the the Carolina in me coming out. Jared, you want to take us out, man? Look, if you watch a movie and you're not feeling that it was absolutely nothing and that you wasted your time, 
don't give up on movies uh, in general. Instead, what you uh, you need to do is you need to sit on your couch and push through and uh, stream something good, or you need to go to your local uh, cinema, which in my case is uh, AMC, where I've not had any more problems with the Coke Freestyle machine in weeks and months now. Everything's been good there. And you can uh, screen something good. So stream something good from your own home or uh, screen something good from your local Cineplex. Fantastic. So we're going to be back next week with, uh, with more good stuff picks maybe an interview who knows um you can check the show notes for links to where we talked about stuff find ways to contact bruce jared myself subscribe to the show give it reviews tell your friends etc uh the show is produced by myself bruce and jared i am the one who records and edits it we hope you enjoyed the show and are taking care of yourselves out there as always see something good <laughs>